Hello, and welcome to the first podcast for Hurston on Tennessee Family Law. I'm K.O. Hurston, the author of Hurston on Tennessee Family Law. So I was thinking about the blog recently, what it does well, where it could improve, and it dawned on me that I've really not touched on what is probably the most important aspect of family law. The blog hasn't touched on that at all. Thus far, I've only dealt with the case law, applying Tennessee law to a certain set of facts. I realize what I've missed out on completely is the people. After all, family law is about people. Family law is about regulating families. We're dealing with human beings with wants and needs. And when those people get together to have children or get married or whatever, a lot of complex things arise from those relationships. It's the people that make family law so interesting, rewarding, and frustrating at the same time. And I realized the blog doesn't do much to discuss their lives, their motivations, or their stories. For example, many of my case law summaries begin with a sentence like, husband and wife divorced after 31 years of marriage. That's a pretty disconnected way of describing the end of a 31-year marriage. After all, the husband is a person. He has a name. He has stories to tell. And the same goes for the wife and their children. Those stories can be instructive as to what not to do, and they can also serve as inspiration for how to get through one of the most traumatic events people experience, a divorce. So this whole podcast idea is an effort to start sharing with you the more personal aspect of family law. You'll hear people tell their stories, you'll hear judges share their insights, and you'll hear professionals like therapists and financial advisors offer their advice. In this first episode, I'm excited to introduce you to Terry, a 59-and-a-half-year-old former client of mine. I knew things were not right, but when your best friend grabs your arm and says, how much longer are you going to let him do this? And it was like, I thought I was really hiding it well. Terry was married for 31 years and was a stay-at-home mom to two children for 20 of those years. She first came to see me for a consultation about eight years ago. At that time, they had a daughter in college and a 15-year-old son in high school. One of the things that makes Terry's story interesting is that despite having made the decision to divorce some eight years ago, she decided to wait three years until her son was out of school before she actually hired a lawyer and started the process of getting divorced. She's now been divorced for four and a half years. She recently sat down with me on a gray, rainy day in East Tennessee to reflect on the entire experience. In this first episode, we discuss the slow demise of her marriage and her struggle with both her decision to divorce and the timing of the divorce. We started by discussing the demise of the marriage. I was happy for a lot of years because I loved being a mom. I love it more than anything. Um, but it was another one of those things that it really... Until my best friend, you know, I saw how he treated me in public and, you know, I would be embarrassed at ball games and things and 
you know, I saw that, but I thought, you know, it's compromise, everything, but it gradually got worse. And that's when I began to really start to think, oh, I don't know that I want this. And then when someone that genuinely cared about me and didn't care to sugarcoat said, how long are you going to let this, you know, when are you going to do something about this? When are you going to take action? Was that on a this? big? Oh my gosh, that you was. Realize the rest of the world sees this exactly the way mm-hmm. I do. All right. So when you first come to see me, your daughter is already out of college. Mm-hmm. Your son is still in high school. Yes. Um, I think he was fifteen mm-hmm. at the time you came to see me, and so after our consultation, you made the decision to delay the divorce for three years. Uh, tell me what went into that decision. So, uh, we were I we're from a very small community that's not very nice to people that are different, or that I, I just witnessed a lot of young people being mistreated because their parents were divorced, and I just didn't want to do that in the middle of his scene, you know, in the middle of his playing ball and doing those things. And plus, I wasn't prepared. To divorce him. I made a little checklist of things that I needed to do to get things in order to do this. First of all, I needed to see if I could find a full-time job. You know, there were lots of variables that were going to change for me from financial situation. And we lived a very good life. And I didn't want to just ex- to compromise so much that I regretted this in the long run because I knew this was a forever thing. Once I said, I am divorcing you, there wouldn't be, I mean, the likelihood of a turning back point would not happen. One of the things I find real interesting is, because I remember this from your first consultation, you told me, I will be back here in three years. And of course, I didn't believe you. Of course, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, right." But, <laughs> but you did. You said, "I'm waiting until my son graduates from high school, and then I'll be back and I'll be ready to do this." And you asked me what you needed to do. What could you do in the interim to get yeah. ready? And we talked about some records and uh, things like that. Um, but uh, I'll be honest; I was quite surprised when I heard back from you three years later. So what was it like during that three-year period where you had, I think, emotionally decided to divorce and, and uh, uh, were looking ahead to that, yet you're still putting up with the conditions that you described? So during that three years, I gathered as much information that I could about our life that was on paper, what we owned, corporate documents. The last two years before I filed or came to see you, I moved out of our bedroom and moved into the guest room. And I was in a desperate mode. I wanted to make sure that I had done everything in my power to make sure, because I loved this man. I really did. And I still love this man. I have children with him, um, but I don't want to be married to him. I'm not in love with him. So things started drastically changing within the household. Um, and so when I came to you, I was resolved. I went, I saw a therapist for two years, once a week and talked with her through this process to make sure that I was mentally okay to do this. 
not m- many people say, make that decision to divorce, which is a monumental event in and of yes. itself, and then say, I'm going to stay here for three more years. Um, and you did it for your children and for their benefit, for, well, for your younger son in particular. Well, I also did it because I was scared to death. Okay. I was terrified because I hadn't been a individual by myself. You know, everything was a joint decision. And I slow, I'm a pretty strong person, and I slowly gave up everything to him. I gave up all the decision-making. I gave up, I mean, he did, I, I was asking permission for things, and it happened in such a gradual way that I didn't even realize it. And then when I started paying attention, and then when the people that were closest to me genuinely asked me questions, you know, how much longer are you going to do this? How, you know, why, you know, why are you going to do this? You mean like girlfriends? Girl, it was, it was family members that had known him and loved him. I mean, they, but he, his, when the business got very successful and the drinking got really bad, his personality changed. The core of who he was was no longer there. Terry talked about how she used that three-year period between the first time she saw me and the last time she saw me to get herself ready. During that three years, I read your blog. I read everything I could get my hands on that helped me intellectually deal with this. And I had was dealing with it emotionally by seeing a wonderful therapist who walked me through this. Um, so when I had all those things done, the only thing that was standing in the way was um, hiring an attorney and me finally saying to myself, I'm going to do this. This is what I want. And me realizing this is what I wanted to do. Um, so we took our son, we're taking our son off to college, unloaded him in his um, new apartment, we're driving back, just he and I in the car. And I will never forget this as long as I live. I was sitting there, and I was gripping the door handle so hard that I, my fingers were numb, realizing either I'm going to jump out of this car or I'm going to divorce this man. Because if I go back into that house and allow the domination and all that's taking place, I will never leave him. I will never, I will stay in this, and I've got to do this. So the only milestone that I had left was to get a full-time job. So, and I was sending out feelers to everybody. So I was finally hired in a full-time job that gave, now it was minimum wage. It was, you know, it was just barely a job with great benefits, but it was the last thing on my checklist. Do you regret delaying the divorce the three years while your son was still in high school? The only thing I would neglect is that my son witnessed three additional years of how a man should not treat a woman. And that was the only thing he knew. So it took time for him to realize um that's not the kind of man I want to be. And I let that happen. I let him see that because I stayed. We talked about how she told her husband and their children of her decision. Did you tell 
your husband and that you were proceeding with a divorce before or after we filed? I Okay, so I hired you and we didn't file till I told him. And he had a very violent temper. So, I mean, I was scared of him. But I also have been guilty when he would come home. I good old Southern Baptist girl, if he had ever hit me, I, in my mind, at that point in my life, felt I was justified in leaving him. I needed an excuse. So um, I tried to provoke him several times when he was very drunk, and he never would hit me. Uh, because in my little mind at the time, that would have made me okay to do this. Mm-hmm. Me just wanting this divorce was not enough for me because I'd given up so much of who I was already. So we, I hired you, and then my best friend, and we had a, a, a circular driveway that joined, and I did not know how he was going to react. I did not know and he was a smoker, but he did not smoke in our home. So I asked my best friend and her husband to be upstairs in their uh, bonus room. And so, and when he came out to smoke, I was going to tell him. So that's what I did. He walked out, was standing. We lived up, we had our house was up on a big hill, looked down and he was smoking. And I proceeded to tell him. He looked straight ahead. He never looked at me. And he said, sorry. And that's it. That's it. And I went back in the house. So, um, and then I went and ran. I just put on my running clothes and went and ran. And so then he proceeded to say how this was all going to, how this was going to work. Okay, and what? Did, this was the same night. No, this is a couple of days later, okay. which we haven't spoken any. We're still in separate bedrooms. We, I mean, so that night you tell him he says sorry. That, you go out for a jog and then come in, and no other words are exchanged. No, nothing is exchanged. Hmm. Nothing. Obviously, you know, you were very interested in protecting your children throughout this entire process. How did you break the news to them that? their parents of who'd been married 30, 31 years um, were getting divorced. Um, so I went up to where my son was at college. We went to dinner. He thought it was odd that I was there without his dad. And I just sat down and I told him first because I thought he would be the easier one because my daughter um, is more emotional like I am and he's real level-headed he, and he's the second child. So he tends to take things a little bit easier, which didn't turn out to be true. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I told him, and I said to him, I have filed for divorce from your father. My son looked me square in the face and said to me, Mom, what took you so long? Children know what's going on. We think we hide, we think, but they know. So when I went to my daughter and told her she said exactly the same thing she looked me square in the face and said mom what's taking you so long so was that a relief for it made you? it easier for me I mean, it made it a lot easier for me because they were my biggest concern they were my well not my only but they were my and still are my life and 
them being okay, I mean, it meant everything to me. Um, I stayed for as long as I did, maybe using this, them as an excuse because I was afraid. But when your children tell you that, you know, that was kind of like the, okay, I'm doing the right thing. It was a huge burden lifted from my shoulders to know that they knew that this was inevitable. All the things Terry did during those three years were necessary to enable her to follow through with her decision. When I finally came to you and sat down and had it all, I was good to go. I was scared to death, didn't think I was going to survive, was going to be a pulper, you know, going to be working. I just could not imagine the life that I have now, but I knew I could no longer stand. And thus ends part one of Terry's story. In the next and final episode, we'll conclude with Terry's account of what it was like to go through the process of getting divorced, how she has fared in the years since her divorce, and her reflections on the lessons she learned along the way. In a sense, nothing is forever, but this is forever. Us being apart is forever. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it on social media, email, or however it is you prefer to share things. I'm K.O. Hurston. Thanks for listening.